Today I'm talking to Father Joe Roche, author of Fatima, A Pilgrimage with Mary. Father, it's good to be with you today. It's great to be here, Chris. Now, this this has a special place in your heart. I mean, you've done a number of coffee table books, but Fatima was special for you. Talk about that. Well, uh, Fatima was a very important part of my own life. Um, I thought about the priesthood from a young age. Um, my family and I, we often prayed the rosary together. I used to serve as an altar server. But then as I got into college and I worked as an actor for a couple of years, mm -hmm. I was not living my faith as I should have. And my mother was always trying to give me books to try to convince me to get back to where I should be. Mm -hmm. And none of them were working until, for some reason, she gave me this little book on um, the visionaries of Fatima, a little paperback book. I don't know why that particular one struck me. Um, but it was a story of the... Um, visionaries from Fatima, the three visionaries, and something about their authenticity, their sacrifices that they made. It just touched my heart. And I asked her if she had any more books like that. Yeah. And she was thrilled to give me some more. And then I ended up uh, finally uh, writing to the Marians. That's how I, I began my vocational journey with the Marians. But I had never met anyone face to face from the United States yet. I was just writing to the vocation director. And then through a number of circumstances, I had an opportunity to make a pilgrimage to Fatima. And the vocation director told me to look up the Marians in Fatima. And when I got there, uh, the uh, vocation director there encouraged me to, to join right away. He said, how old are you? I said, 24. He said, that's the perfect age. 23 is too soon. 25 is too late. Join now. Yeah. And so uh, it was, it, it seemed a destiny. And, and uh, so I always was close to Our Lady, especially Our Lady of Fatima. And so I think she had an important role to play in my vocation. Okay. And and tell me, what are some of your favorite places to visit? What were some of the most memorable stops in that first journey? Well, certainly the uh, Chapel of the Apparitions, where the children had the um, apparitions of Our Lady. It, it doesn't look anything like it did at that time. Mm -hmm. There's just one big <clears throat> tree that still remains from the time of the children. But now everything is concrete and a big uh, plaza. Uh, there's a little uh, rustic uh, chapel there where the apparitions took place, which is probably similar to the architecture of what they would have had. But then that's surrounded by a big glass enclosed chapel uh, with marble altars and things like that. Yeah. So it does look very different. And yet that that place is very important. Um, mm. And I remember the first time I went there, there's also a uh, there's like a marble path that you can go on your knees. And I saw these uh, Portuguese um uh, pilgrims doing that. And so I, as a young guy filled with zeal, I said, I'm going to have to try this too. Mm -hmm. And I went down there on my knees, walk, uh, going toward the um, uh, chapel and praying the rosary. And, and there was a dog that came out and barking at mm -hmm. me. I don't know. I thought maybe this is the evil one trying to discourage <laughs> yeah. me. But uh, it, was a, it was a powerful experience. And then, of course, mm -hmm. visiting the homes of the children and to see how simply they lived at that time. And Our Lady chose these simple uh, children to to bring this important message to the world. So heaven doesn't work the way we work. Yeah. But uh, that first visit to Fatima made a, a, a big impression on me. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting to me that in in a sense, when Our Lady brought you to the priesthood and brought you to the Marians, she brought a future superior general we know now. <laughs> That's right. So God is full of surprises. I never uh, expected anything like that. I never expected to have to work outside of the United States. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up working in Rome for 18 years and then being elected superior general. So, um, yeah, you have to just let God's plan unfold and yeah. uh, go along for the ride. Yeah. And, and your whole your whole priest, I want to say kind of I mean, 
all of our lives as Catholics are kind of in, in light of Fatima, you might say, mm-hmm. ever mm-hmm. since that's been so transformational for John Paul II. That's Absolutely. been important for Pope Benedict. Pope yeah. Francis began his pontificate by asking the Cardinal Archbishop of Lisbon, I believe, to consecrate his pontificate to Our Lady of Fatima. Yeah. And there was that 2013 um, event in in on October 13th with the statue, I believe, in Rome. And, and so mm-hmm. what's it like being a superior general kind of of Fatima and under a pontificate dedicated to Our Lady of Fatima? Well, it's interesting. I have uh, in my house in Rome, uh, one of the men on the general council is Father Giovanetti. He's mm-hmm. from uh, Brazil, but he has spent a lot of time in Fatima. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's also the director of our hotel in Fatima. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he often goes back and forth. So I feel connected yeah. to Fatima, even even while I'm in Rome, because he always is bringing us reports. Mm-hmm. And then we had to decide on whether we should uh, renovate that hotel in Fatima that we had. Um, it was sort of to take a risk because there's a lot of hotels in Fatima. Yeah. We said, I don't know if this is going to work, but it seems to be working. God is blessing mm-hmm. that effort. And he was, uh, they just had the World Youth Day in uh, Fatima uh, mm-hmm. recently with Lisbon and Fatima with all his young people. So um, I, I think Our Ladies uh, is still, you know, doing, having her influence yeah. in, in a powerful way from Fatima, bringing all those young people. They, I don't think they even expected a million and a half. Uh, people to, yeah. to come for that final mass. And so I, I think this uh, Our Lady is doing something in our day and age because we need it. Yeah, We absolutely. need her uh, intercession. So Fatima is, is crucial, I think, for our world today. Yeah. Real quick, for, for our listeners who may want to try to stay with the Marians in Fatima, how would they go about finding out more about that? Oh, it's the Marian Essence uh, Hotel. Um, I'd have to look up the uh, exact okay. thing, but I think if you look up Marian Essence Hotel in the Google, you'll probably find it. And maybe we can attach a, 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 um, a website afterwards. Okay. Um, let's roll, let's give our, our listeners some context. I think most people listening will know the story of Fatima, but some might not. Why is Fatima such an important apparition and pilgrimage site for us even now, more than 100 years after the apparitions? Well, uh, it happened at the time of of the First World War and the Bolshevik Revolution when communists was taking over uh, so many parts of the world. That was the beginning of the spread of communism. Um, um, I think it was Pope Benedict XV had Mm -hmm. uh, added a a part to the litany of Loretto, Our Our Lady of Peace, Queen of Peace, to pray for us. And it was right after that that Our Lady began to appear in Fatima. Now, heaven had been preparing because the year before, in 1916, the angel had appeared to these three little shepherd children, asking them to pray for peace and to make sacrifices. And uh, so throughout the 20th century, um, there has been a kind of a parallel. It's interesting. Today is the Feast of St. Augustine when we're recording this. And I was thinking this morning during Mass of the city of man and the city of God. At least two things are going on. So this is what's happening in our world. Communism is spreading, secularism is spreading, all mm-hmm. kinds of errors are spreading, but at the same time, Our Lady has her plan. The city of God sometimes works in a hidden way, but it's working. Yeah. And so Our Lady has been doing her part to encourage people to pray the rosary, to pray the rosary every day, uh, which mm-hmm. is what she asked at Fatima, especially for peace in the world. Um, there have been wars since that time. There have been some terrible things that are happening, and yet there have been good things happening as well. So. God is, is it's, it's like a, the big battle, like in the book of Revelation, between good and evil. Mm-hmm. And that is what has been playing out in a, in a major way in the 20th century. And now 
where we are in the 21st century. So we have that war in Ukraine, we have uh, terrorism, we have all kinds of things going on in the world. So there's still that need for peace, peace in the world and peace in our hearts. Mm -hmm. So I think that call of Our Lady for us to pray the rosary daily for peace yeah. is, is as timely as ever, and it's needed. Yeah. Yeah, and the Marian Father's founding charism is so tied to this. Her Immaculate Heart is so central to Fatima, and the Immaculate Conception is, is your guys' founding patroness and kind of the point of the whole order, right? Absolutely, yes. The Immaculate Conception is that mystery of um, God saving Mary in an extraordinary way in anticipation of her becoming the mother of God, God saving us through the ordinary means of the sacraments. And mm -hmm. so we're all called to become like Mary, to have that the uh, pure hearts. Uh, in the Beatitudes, Jesus says, Blessed are the pure of heart, for mm -hmm. they shall see God. And the immaculate heart of Mary, she had the purest heart. She was never touched mm -hmm. by sin. So she sees God. And so if you see God, you can see how to get to heaven. You can see how to get there. Yeah. And uh, that's what we need. We need the eyes of faith to see God, because in our world, mm -hmm. sometimes we don't recognize the presence of God because we're so distracted by so many things. And that's what the evil one tries to do. But if we can have those pure hearts mm -hmm. freed from sin, we can see God. Even here on earth, we can see the path to God and we can see how to get to heaven. So that's what Our Lady is trying to get us to. Okay. Okay, so the children of Mary are those whose hearts are like Mary. Absolutely, absolutely. She wants us all. Jesus entrusted us all to, to his mother at the, at the foot of the cross. And uh, when she prayed in the upper room with the apostles, no doubt she was praying for new, a new outpouring of the Holy Spirit, not only for the apostles and for the church, but for mm -hmm. herself as well, because she had a new vocation to become the mother of us all. And yeah. so she takes that vocation very seriously as our mother. Mm -hmm. And so she wants all of her children to know Jesus and to come to him. And so she continues to, to live out her vocation. And she wants all her children yeah. to respond and to, uh, to uh, get to know Jesus like she does. Okay. And could, could you touch upon a little bit about, you know, Catholics hold this, Catholics have this as dogma, but so many of our Christian brethren don't. And, you know, what, what's, what is going on there? How, how do we explain this to them from Scripture, maybe? Or, or how do we explain this more to our Protestant brethren? Well, the uh, commandments say, honor your father and your mother. And mm -hmm. certainly Jesus would honor his mother <laughs> for, yeah. uh, for who she is. There, in the Scriptures, uh, Mary is praised just for being his physical mother because mm -hmm. she um, nursed him at her, at her breasts and carried in her, him, her, him in her womb. But Jesus praises his mother, even in the scriptures, when he says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Yeah. Because no one has kept the word of God as well as Mary. Yeah. And so Mary takes nothing away from Jesus. I think that might be what our Protestant brothers and sisters mm -hmm. are worried about, that somehow or other, if we give too much attention to Mary, we're taking the uh, attention away from Jesus. But Mary's whole vocation is yeah. to point us toward her son, Jesus. Mm -hmm. She doesn't want to uh, hog the spotlight. Yeah. Uh, she, she definitely wants to, to lead us to her son, Jesus, because he is the only Savior. Mm -hmm. He is the one who died on the cross for us. She yeah. stayed at the foot of the cross, pointing us toward her son, mm -hmm. um, not to herself. And so we have nothing to fear when we ask Mary's prayers and intercession, and we can follow her, her uh, as a model. She's the model of the church, um, uh, the church which is open and receptive to the graces of God. Mary mm -hmm. showed us how to do that at the Annunciation. Yeah. So... Um, I think there's nothing to be worried about, and uh, 
if we open our heart to Mary, she won't lead us away from Jesus, but only toward him. Okay. Yeah, and you'll be exploring a lot more about Our Lady, I think, in your next podcast, correct? That's right. Uh, I'll be working on a Morning Star by uh, Father Kazimir Vyshinsky. Mm -hmm. He's the Venerable Servant of God. Uh, and uh, he took a book that had been written in Latin in, in a kind of a, a difficult way. He translated it, mm -hmm. and he um, brought it into the vernacular, and he helped it. It's, it's really for lay people mm -hmm. to come to live the ten virtues of the Blessed Virgin Mary, yeah. the ten virtues that we find in the gospel. And by imitating those virtues, we can become like her. We can really live the gospel by living the, the life of the virtues. When the church looks at how a saint lived, they want to see if they lived the virtues mm -hmm. to a heroic degree. So that's the whole thing about trying to grow in holiness, to live the life of the virtues. Okay. And Venerable Casimir had a connection to Portugal, I think. And... Oh, absolutely. He um, wanted to spread the uh, community beyond Poland. He brought us to Bohemia, which is now the the current Czech Republic. He brought in a lot of vocations from there. And then he uh, got an invitation to go to Portugal and he had great hopes mm -hmm. and he went there and then it turned out to be not what he thought it was going to be. He was greatly disappointed. He was almost shipwrecked getting there. Mm -hmm. He had a very difficult uh, time, but he persevered. He stayed there. He died there and he had a great reputation for holiness there. Mm -hmm. uh, so they preserved his tomb. They preserved the room where he had lived. And then there was a great persecution by the Masons, and we got kicked out of uh, Portugal for 100 years. But the people over there, he had such a reputation for holiness, they preserved mm -hmm. his, um, his tomb there and his uh, room. And then when we were finally able to come back in the middle of the 20th century, around 1950, mm -hmm. um, there was an amazing thing that happened. We, they translated his uh, body from the tomb, from the, from the cemetery to the church, because he had that reputation for holiness. But the bishop didn't want to do it with a lot of um, hoopla. He just wanted to do it in a simple way. And all of a sudden, the bells in the church started ringing. And he said, no, no, don't ring the bells, because then we'll have everybody coming. But nobody was ringing the bells. Huh. And they did an investigation, and it seemed like it was a miraculous ringing of the bells. Mm -hmm. We had hoped to use that uh, miracle for the, his uh, beatification, but they didn't do enough of an investigation to prove it definitively. Mm -hmm. But it was a sign that this was a holy man. Yeah. And so we continue to ask him to pray for us as Fatima and, and Portugal continue to be an important uh, part in the um, salvation of the world. Okay. Is it known if you ever visited Fatima? I don't know. I, I'd have to do more research. I'll have to try to find that out. Okay. All right. Um, Let's... But I course, at that time, mm -hmm. when he lived, it probably wasn't too much uh, there at Fatima. You know, it was yeah. before the apparition. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's zero in a bit on from the Immaculate Conception to the Immaculate Heart. Why is mm -hmm. devotion to and love for the Immaculate Heart so important? And not just for consecrated religious priests like you with, with your charism, but for all Catholics. Well, uh, the Immaculate Heart of Mary is very uh, similar to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus' heart is, is a heart that is full of love. Uh, it, the heart is the center of who we are. Uh, it's a, is, we, we come to the heart of Jesus, and he, was, he had a, a heart that was pierced mm -hmm. by, by the sword, uh, and then the blood and water came out from his heart, and that's where we, we see the, the, the rays of divine mercy, the, symbolizing the blood and the water that came forth from his heart. Now, Mary has a heart mm -hmm. which is full of love, which mm -hmm. is pure, which is untouched by sin. And she wasn't touched by a physical sword, but uh, it was Simeon who said, 
at the uh, presentation that a sword shall pierce your heart as well. Mm -hmm. So it was sort of a mystical sword uh, that as Mary stayed at the foot of the cross and Jesus's heart was pierced mm -hmm. by a sword, she too uh, and experienced the sorrow. Um, she didn't uh, experience a physical martyrdom, but probably yeah. the martyrdom that she experienced spiritually mm -hmm. throughout Jesus's life. There's a, as a beautiful um, devotion called the seven sorrows of Mary, mm -hmm which look at all of those uh, sorrows that Mary experienced during her life. And it was like the heart that her heart was being pierced seven times with a sword. Yeah. Um, so she has that heart that is so united to Jesus. Uh, those two hearts are just inseparable uh, in love for one another. Mm -hmm. And so the Immaculate Heart of Mary is what we want to have to have in our own hearts. We want to have a heart that's pure, mm -hmm. a heart that is free from sin. And then, as, as, as I was saying earlier, the, the heart that is pure can see God and can see the way to heaven. We don't get so confused by all of the uh, distractions of the world as the evil one wants us to, but we see what we're supposed to see. A heart that is pure mm -hmm. uh, can also, we can say it's an undivided heart. Mm -hmm. We Our heart is pulled in a lot of different directions, but we want a heart that is honed in on God and God alone and on doing his will, nothing more and nothing less. Okay, all right. Speaking of those who have lived that, the Holy See just recently declared Sister Lucia dos Santos, the longest-lived Fatima visionary, venerable. What does that mean for all of us who love Our Lady and try to listen to her Fatima message? Well, I think that's wonderful. Um, during uh, her lifetime, uh, she became a Carmelite nun. So mm -hmm. she lived into her 90s, mm -hmm. and uh, those the other two visionaries had to suffer greatly before they uh, died. But then they died at the ages of about 9 and 10. And then she had to live to be about 95. So she was very sad that she had to stay there on earth so much longer. But yeah. God had a special mission for her. So I had the opportunity to visit the uh, ch uh, church in Coimbra, uh, where she was uh, living as a, as a nun. So we were there while she was there. We didn't get a chance to meet her. Mm -hmm. But we did put in petitions and ask for her prayers while she was there. I also visited the church in Spain where the um, apparitions of uh, Jesus on the cross and the blood and uh, the, the mercy and water coming down uh, in Tui in mm -hmm. Spain. She had been, I think, a sister of St. Dorothy before she became a sister of um, a Carmelite nun. So I feel a special connection with her. And uh, she suffered a great deal during her life, too. She had her mother not believing her when she was young. And it was very difficult. But she offered her life up to continue to try to get the message of Fatima out to the world to yeah. encourage people. Um, it's it's a difficult message. It's a bit of a complicated message. There's secrets involved and things like that. And the, in some ways, some people say it's a very political message. But it's it's an important message that Our Lady uh, wants us to have. And that's why I think she left Lucia on Earth to continue to try to spread that message. And now I, I, I'm thrilled that her cause is going forward. Father Giovanetti knows the um, sister, religious sister, who's also a medical doctor, mm -hmm. who's the... Um, um, postulator of the cause of the canonization. They're wonderful sisters. Yeah. And uh, so I'm very happy that, that that is going forward. And it'll continue to bring light on the message of Fatima, the importance of praying the rosary, the importance of that uh, simple message that Our Lady is trying to reach us with. That's great. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. I believe that sister has spoken at uh, Marie's conference before. She um, did. She's yeah. good. She's um, great. And, and it, it really is one of those great graces that uh, all, of the, all of the different um, orders and all of the different people working in service to Our Lady find their efforts 
kind of mutually amplifying and coordinating even beyond what we plan just it, it all tends to come together um, well i think when we get to heaven we'll see how everything fits together yeah. in a simpler way than we realize it's all part of god's very simple plan yeah well the fact that world youth day was was in lisbon uh, yeah. What do you think the Holy Father and the Church wanted to say with that? Well, it's interesting. Um, some of the World Youth Days have been picked in places where there was really a it, there was a secularized area that really mm -hmm. needed evangelization. Like yeah. remember Denver, Colorado. I was there in '93, and that place really turned around. Um, Paris. Um, uh, some some of these other places come to mind where. Uh, there was Australia, even there was just a secularized area that needed the mm -hmm. new evangelization, needed the message and the and the vibrancy. Rio de Janeiro in uh, in Brazil, um, uh, the, the the gospel message and the joy of the youth. I think it, it's really a, a powerful thing. So Portugal uh, has had its challenges. There's a lot of masonry there. There's a lot of difficulties in uh, in trying to live out the faith in a full mm -hmm. way. But of course that. Fatima has always been there, um, and so and our Holy Father Pope Francis has a great devotion to Our Lady. Mm -hmm. So he, before and after any pilgrimage, he always goes to Saint Mary Major and he entrusts the pilgrimage to Mary, and then he thanks her afterwards. So he has a great a devotion to her, and to her powerful intercession. So I'm mm -hmm. sure it was important for him to entrust these young people mm -hmm. to Our Lady and to her intercession and to her example as a model for them of how to live a holy life and how to get to know her son, Jesus. So I think that's uh, basically what he was trying to do, um, bring Mary into into the, the uh, because she is that star of evangelization. If we look at um, Guadalupe, uh, how many people were converted after the uh, uh, apparition to San Juan Diego? Mm -hmm. uh, it's just amazing. So Our Lady is uh, has an important role to play in the new evangelization, so we have to continue to bring her in. Yeah. And I think that's why it was so important to have that uh, World Youth Day so close to Fatima. Yeah. And I think that this book is a contribution to some of that Marian evangelization. Um, what audience did you have in mind as you were putting this book together? Well, um, it's really for everyone. Uh, obviously, it, the first audience would be to Catholics um, who might be familiar with it and might be attracted by that. Uh, oh, Fatima, I, I know Fatima. And maybe especially to people who haven't had a chance to get there. Mm -hmm. So just by the pictures in the book, the beautiful pictures, it's like making a virtual pilgrimage yeah. to the site. And then we're hoping to teach through this uh, this book what is the message of Fatima, what's it about, help mm -hmm. people to, to come to a deeper understanding. But just like uh, that uh, Miracle of the Sun took place on October 13th, 1917, there was 70,000 people. I'm sure they weren't all Catholic. I'm sure there were just curiosity seekers and masons and all kinds of other people who were there as well, and they could be touched by this message as well. So this this book is really for anyone who would have an openness to say, well, what is God doing on this earth? Mm -hmm. what, what what is this uh, this stuff with Mary? A pilgrimage with Mary? What's that all about? Yeah. So anyone who's willing to to uh, open the book and give it a try, I think, can be touched by the message of Fatima, and uh, and what it's all about. Okay, yeah, and I think. This reminds me of, of our uh, booklet for the Stations of the Cross, with the photos and the meditations kind of going together. Why is that such a profound part of our Catholic tradition, this kind of prayerful pondering um, images and words, and, and even if we can't make it to a place ourselves? 
Right. Well, the uh, the beautiful cathedrals were built uh, when many people were illiterate and mm -hmm. they, they couldn't learn the faith by reading about it. Nowadays, we read books and, and uh, we read so many things because so many more people uh, have an education than, than in the past. But in the past, the, the faith would be uh, taught through the uh, beautiful basilicas, through the mosaics, through the wood carvings, through the statues, through the beautiful art. This was a way of teaching people but through the visual medium. It's funny now mm -hmm. with the internet, everybody's touched by the visual medium again, but the, we are touched by things, with beauty. They, yeah. they say beauty will save the world. So the beautiful images do catch our attention. And that's why it's so important to have uh, uplifting images rather than to use uh, the, all the visual images to drag people down. Yeah. Um, and so I think that a picture book like this is, is wonderful because we can we can touch the heart with it with a powerful image a powerful mm -hmm. picture and may, maybe people stop and think about that wow uh, maybe be inspired to to learn more even to make a pilgrimage and, and to go there um so i think it's part of our spiritual heritage the beauty of the images the religious images that can uh, uh, be used as a catechetical tool to help mm -hmm. people to deepen their faith all right why do you think our lady keeps coming to earth why do you think these apparitions happen well, it reminds me of when uh, St. John, the evangelist, lived on the earth, and he supposedly lived to a ripe old age. And he, uh, the tradition was that he kept telling people, little children love one another, little yeah. children love one another. And somebody said to him, why do you keep saying that? And he says, when you love one another, I'll stop saying yeah. it. <laughs> so it's the same thing with Our Lady. I think she will cease her, her apparitions when we start responding, mm -hmm. as we should, to, uh, to the call to conversion, the call to prayer, mm -hmm. and the called to holiness. But <clears throat> I think in the meantime, while there's still such confusion and difficulty and uh, distractions in the world, Our Lady again takes her um, um, vocation as a mother so seriously, so mm -hmm. she'll continue to come to us to try to remind us of where we need to be. Mm -hmm. And very often she comes to places where um, there are great difficulties. Like for instance, I was this year I was just in um, Rwanda and Our Lady of Cabejo came mm -hmm. in the 80s, and then in the 90s, there was the terrible um, uh, genocide there. Mm -hmm. um, Medjugorje, there was those apparitions in 81, and then there was a, a war that took place there. I think also in Aikido in Spain, in, in, in Japan. So a lot of these wars, and there, mm -hmm. there's a, a lack of peace, and there's yeah. a lack of, uh, um, there's an unrest in the world. So Our Lady continues mm -hmm. to come to try to call us to peace, conversion, yeah healing that that's why she keeps coming and in a lot of ways what she asks for is so simple and yet we seem to be resistant to doing it what, mm. where do you think that resistance comes from why is it so hard for us to hear a simple request well i think there's the uh, part of the original sin is is a concupiscence mm -hmm. which is a tendency towards sin we're attracted by sin our lady didn't have she wasn't touched by sin, so she can see clearly. Mm -hmm. So she can clearly see that, that sin is not good for us. We yeah. can't see it as clearly. And we think, oh, sin is going to make me happy. It's going to be satisfying. And the message of the world is, oh, the uh, the, the holy rollers are the boring ones. you yeah. got to have some fun. Mm -hmm. And and so there's that. And then I guess there's also a, a, just a basic resistance as a consequence of original sin to sacrifices and suffering mm -hmm. and, and putting up with things. The... Uh, um, visionaries were even, uh, they would pray, but they would take shortcuts and yeah. they would try to just uh, get through the rosary as quickly as possible so they could get to their uh, to their fun and their rest and their snacks. But then 
they were encouraged by Our Lady to uh, offer themselves in sacrifice, and they they saw how horrible uh, places like hell are, mm-hmm. and so then they really offered their sacrifices, and no sacrifice was too big for them yeah. to uh, to try to make reparation. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite quote from the Fatima messages? Favorite line of Our Lady or one of the visionaries? Well, uh, I like some of those uh, those the message from the angel which, which was very good mm-hmm. oh my god i believe i adore i trust i hope i hope and i love thee and i beg pardon for those who do not believe do not adore do not hope and do not love thee mm-hmm. um you know that whole idea of faith hope and love and and adoration um uh giving ourselves to god uh, it, it puts us in right relationship with god mm-hmm. those are the, the the theological virtues that we receive at baptism um because so many of us are baptized, and then it just well, what does that mean? It doesn't it doesn't mean anything to me, and we don't understand who we are in light of our relationship with God. We can't understand who we are without that relationship with God. So I thought it was profound. It's a very simple prayer, mm-hmm. but it's a very profound prayer to put ourselves in the right relationship to, with God, to to believe in Him, to love Him, to hope in Him, and then to adore Him, to to give ourselves over to God in adoration, because that's what heaven will be like. Yeah. And we can begin that giving praise to God. Our whole life should be a, a sacrifice of praise to God. Uh, then our life can begin to make sense. Uh, other than that, you know, we, we can be very confused here on this earth. Yeah. Yeah. And why do you think Our Lady keeps especially focusing on the rosary? In some ways, it seems as though, I mean, that's been offered to us ever since St. Dominic again and again and again. And it seems... Yeah. It seems we forget, and then we're brought back to it. What is so powerful and important about the rosary? Well, uh, the rosary uh, is a way of meditating on the life of Jesus. It's it's a way of putting Jesus into the center of our lives, of learning from who Jesus is, from his example. Um, it's a way of thinking about Jesus. Uh, some people could say, well, it's a repetitive prayer. What, what's the sense of it? But I think people who say that maybe haven't prayed it. Once yeah. you pray it, I, I don't think the, the um, repetition of it bothers you so much because it's a, it, it can calm you down. Yeah. Um, it, it, can, uh, it can be a, a way of, um, you know, opening your heart to, to, uh, to Jesus and, and giving him room in your life. Mm-hmm. I take a walk in the evening and I try to pray the whole complete rosary yeah. uh, while I'm walking. And I come back and I feel better. Yeah. You know, I've gotten some rest, some exercise, some prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just uh, it's a satisfying thing to do. Mm-hmm. So so praying the rosary every day is is more powerful than we realize. I think on a spiritual level, mm-hmm. uh, because of the prayer itself, because of the meditation that's connected with it, there's so many ways. I think we we don't even know exactly why it's so powerful, but yeah. if we pray it, I think we'll begin to see the difference in our lives. Cooperation with grace, and so we are in touch with something greater than ourselves. Right. Okay. Right. And of course, if you have time for it, then anyone should have time for it. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I I know that you need a balance in your life, mm-hmm. and so I try to make a holy hour every day. I try to get some exercise every day, and uh, you know, a little recreation every day, because it, otherwise you're gonna get burned out, and you won't be able to yeah. do everything you're supposed to do. Yeah, and I think what which saint had that? I don't remember. Which saint had that great quote about if you're busy, if you need an hour of prayer a day, if you're busy, you need two hours, if you're really busy, you need three. And he just kept on upping it and kind of that sense of in the Catholic life, 
Prayer is the thing that makes everything else possible. It's not another right. obligation. Uh, right. which no, I absolutely. I think the big danger is to think that we can do it all ourselves with yeah. our own strength and uh, to not rely on God, to not pray. Uh, like a, a, if, if a, even a priest who gets so busy that he doesn't have time for prayer, yeah. that's very dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, and, and dangerous for, for us laity as well. I think that that it, it, it really does help kind of give you perspective. Absolutely. The truly important Absolutely. things. Yeah. All right. Well, Father, when was the last time you were in Fatima? Uh, that's a very good question. Um, it was quite a few years ago now. I, I think maybe five years ago, something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, th I know that pilgrimage is pretty much shut down with the yeah. with pandemic COVID worldwide and all that. Yeah. But I know that here at the shrine, things are opening back up. I assume that absolutely. And Rome is just unbelievable how many uh, pilgrims are coming to Rome now. So yeah, it's really opened up there too. Yeah. So hopefully people will make it either to Fatima in person or they will get this book and be able to make a spiritual pilgrimage. That's right. A father of Giovanetti says that pilgrims are coming back to Fatima as well. So. Um, you know, I, I'm happy to hear that that uh, that call of Our Lady is continuing to to be heeded, and people are, uh, are responding. All right. Thanks for being with us today, Father. It's been my pleasure. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for all you do. Today, I've been speaking with Father Joe Roche, author of Fatima: A Pilgrimage with Mary. To order Fatima: A Pilgrimage with Mary by Father Joseph Roche, M.I.C., please visit shopmercy.org. This has been Sparks of Mercy. Thanks for listening. Pray for me, I'll pray for you. Jesus, I trust in you. I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Thank you.